Hello, did you just hear that? <laughs> hey, good morning. This is the strangest new normal and we thought we would just take a couple of minutes to acknowledge that. So I hope you guys know that, um, yeah, we really, really miss meeting in the way that we used mm -hmm. to meet and it feels very foreign to be doing church like this and I wouldn't say either of us love it or feel like we're very good at it, but this is what we're doing for now. So yeah, hope you're all doing really well and your weeks have been okay. Um, we've had an okay week. We've had good days, bad days, in between days, boring days. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to to do this, albeit in a very weird way. Mm. One of the things I thought would be worthwhile just knowing is, and I've kind of we're kind of past it anyway, I guess is just a friend of ours was saying that they had um, know someone really well who's involved in Department of Corrections and and who oversees a lot of the home detention, which in effect we are all on home detention. Um, and there within that um, context, there is a real uh, there's a known kind of difficult um, wall that a lot of people hit in the third week of home detention. And so I think we're all we're already through that, I think. God please help us if we aren't. <laughs> but um but you know just be be aware of, you know, this is is not anyone's real well not I can't imagine anyone's ideal. Um and so be gracious to yourself, be gracious to one another. Mm -hmm. Um and we'll keep praying for um level three, level two, level one. Um yeah. Cool. So we had three birthdays that I know of. Again, if we've missed you, so sorry. Feel free to send us a message. And if you've had a wedding anniversary, put a little comment on here because I we don't know those. So it would be cool to be able to celebrate that with you. Mm. But this week, Stephanie Lane. Um, I was going to say how old she turned. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amos Sanders turned three. So we can say that. Happy birthday, Amos. He's one of the cutest little three-year-olds ever. And it was Robin Van Kicken's birthday too. So happy birthday to happy all birthday, of those Happy birthday, Robin. Guys. And just wanted to remind you that tonight is the quiz night. So we have about, I think there's about 15 families that have signed up. If you haven't signed up, we would love you to do that. I know we said 10 o'clock this morning, but that was before realizing that we don't go live till 10.30. So if you want to jump on and sign up, we would love you to do that. It's going to be heaps of fun. It is not... On Facebook so if you're not on Facebook that doesn't matter it's run through Google Meet. Craig and Tammy Morris have put a huge amount of work into it and it's going to be amazing so we'd love you to jump on and we'll see you tonight in a little tiny square. Um, is that all? Yeah sounds good. Hey so this morning we're going to um, look in, um, in John so if you have your a Bible or a device with a Bible on it um, gather around, look at um, John uh, chapter 21. Angela's just going to read it and then she's going to head off and we'll scatter and move around. But um, John um, 21, looking at verses 1 to 14, uh, is where we're going to look this morning. So starting in verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared to, again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, 
but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Wonderful, thank Excellent you. stage left. <laughs> Great. Well, I just wanted to, um, there, first of all, say there is so much um, in, in these 14 verses that we could, um, you know, spend who knows how long looking at it. And so, so let me just start out by saying we're not going to be, be looking at everything um, that, that's included in, in these 14 verses. I wanted to actually just focus in on really um, Simon Peter and Jesus. And, and we're going to actually go even a little bit um, finer into, into what we've read. Um, but like Simon Peter, he must have been, been one of those people that you kind of, I can imagine personally, um, the other disciples like oh, rolling their eyes or shaking their head at, at all of the stuff that he did. He seemed to be so um, impetuous and, and spontaneous. Um, even in this story, you know, like the moment he realizes it's Jesus, he, you know, put on your tunic and jump in the water and swim for it. Um, I can imagine the other disciples just being on the boat like, hey, um, never mind us. Peter, like we'll we'll get the rest of the we'll get the boat in we'll we'll pull the net in um, you carry on you know it's not like any of us want to go and and see Jesus as well you know so no no you think of you and carry on and it's kind of um yeah it sort of sort of makes me laugh um and and really I wanted to sort of look at um when they got there so when Peter and and the other disciples eventually got there they found um, breakfast waiting for them. You know, when I read this, I thought of the last time, I think it was the last time or one of the last times that we were together in the community center. Um, this was one of the accounts when we were talking about Jesus around a meal and how many times Jesus, um, you know, was around a meal and used meal times. And, and I think someone used this as an example. And I love that. I love this picture of who Jesus is. Um, so when they, when they got there, when they got to Jesus, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. You know, there's so much detail 
and meaning in in really this this 14 verses but particularly through John as well well actually through all scripture but 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 John John's gospel is is actually written and there's so much detail and so many sort of hidden treasures that are that are worth being mined um, and worth being looked at but we obviously can't do that um, today but but it is it is um, each word is there for a reason and really what I wanted to do in, in the, the short time that we have together this morning is to kind of look at that setting um, and to focus in on specifically the fact that they were gathered around, once they got to the shore, they were gathered around a charcoal fire. Um, and it's this idea of, you know, for, for many of us, um, the, the ideas of sights and sounds and smells and things like being around a fire are, are triggers for first, and they suggest, you know, things that may have happened in the past. For me, like I can't smell um, freshly baked bread without immediately thinking of my grandma Rife, who every time we'd go to her house always had the most amazing um, homemade bread, and then she'd always serve it with with butter and and strawberry jam which she would have made herself and so so that 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 experience of smelling bread immediately takes me personally back to to the that place in that kitchen i can remember sitting on the on the long wooden benches that she used to have around her big um, kitchen table and that idea of sights and sounds and smells um, that works for the positive, like the story I've just given, but it also works for the negative, you know, those, those bad experiences. And, and um, we can't know for sure, but I think for Simon Peter, you know, standing around a charcoal fire would have been a very powerful trigger um, for him of really what would be probably one of the most painful, um, one of the most disappointing um, places in his life, decisions in his life. If you, if you have your Bible or a device, let's quickly, well, actually, no, I'll just read it and we can look. But just back a few chapters in John, John 18, verse 18, we find um, the last time that Scripture records that, that Simon Peter was around a charcoal fire. And it was this, because it was cold, um, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire they stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them warming himself. And if you don't know, this is the scene where just while Jesus was inside um, being tried and ultimately convicted and, convicted and, and to be sentenced, um, Peter was outside around that charcoal fire where he three times denied that he knew Jesus. You know, again, I'm just surmising, but from I can only imagine it being the the ultimate failure in Peter's life, you know, looking at it at himself and, and the biggest why, like why in the world did I do that? How could I have done that? The source of so much pain, so much disappointment, um, the ultimate place of failure for Peter. Um, you know, this... Is, has been a time in our lockdown of, of lots of watching lots of TV and lots of videos and things. And um, I remember seeing on TV One this show called The Repair Shop. 
And my immediate thought was when I watched the shorts for it, is what a, what a stupid idea for a TV show. Why in the world? You know, they must be really scraping the barrel for TV ideas on, um, you know, people bringing in their old stuff and someone else fixing it up. But nonetheless, I watched it anyway. Um, and the, the, one of the, the, the one episode I watched um, had a lady, um, I think in her late, in her 50s maybe, but she brought in um, Ralph, the, the leather rhinoceros. And, and it was this rhinoceros that her mother had given her for her 18th birthday, who mother who eventually, or, or actually who had died soon after, or it was the last gift that she was given. And so this, this leather rhinoceros, which was quite cute, um, was, was really had an amazing amount of sentimental value to her. But he was really, really had seen better days, eyes falling out, tail pulled off, um, family member's cat used him as a scratching thing. But I was, I was impressed by the, the, the detail and the, the meticulousness of the restoration process of Ralph the rhinoceros. And so if you have time, which we all do, maybe have a look at it and see. Um, but it was, it was quite impressive. And the crazy thing about the restoration um, and really what, what I'd like to talk about in the, the little bit of time that we have left is, is, is that idea of restoration. You know, um, at the beginning, I think of, of our time where we've been in, in lockdown, I guess, um, Lexi brought the idea of um, Rahui, um, and it is a time of restoration. And so that's what I wanted to look at. Restoration isn't necessarily about throwing out or, or getting rid of something because it's had a hard life or it's been damaged, like Ralph. You know, the restoration process of that leather rhinoceros wasn't just to throw him away and start over again, which you could easily have done. Um, it was about taking what was there in the state that it was and restoring it, making it, making it whole again, uh, taking it back to where it was always intended, but not in kind of perfection. I think um, for me, that is um, one, one of the reasons why Jesus, um, getting back to our story, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus um, gathered those disciples, and particularly Simon Peter, around a charcoal fire. Peter was about to be restored. He was about to be encountered in the place of his greatest failure, his greatest weakness, you know, the biggest why of why did I do that in his life? Um, and he was about to be restored in that very place. The restoration of Peter um, that he received from Jesus isn't to throw away um, all that had happened around that charcoal fire in the middle of the night. It isn't to pretend like it never happened. It isn't to to say, oh, well, you know, just, just push that down and, and it, it didn't happen, Peter. Don't worry about it. You know, just, just leave it. That There's no value in that. I think what Jesus is doing is what he does um, at his very best. He is, he is meeting Simon Peter in that place of disappointment, in that place of denial, in that place of like, oh, why in the world did I do it? And he's bringing life. He's restoring those situations. Um, 
I think for me personally, I've sort of had a faith, a portion in my faith journey where, where I truly believe that both of Simon Peter's char, around a charcoal fire experiences were equally, are equally valuable. You know, that, that G, Simon Peter needed that first, um, that first charcoal fire experience. He needed to know what it was like to, 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 to deny Jesus. He needed to experience all of those feelings. He needed to journey through that. And, and then Jesus was going to meet him. And, and well, I'm not going to read it now, but I'd love for you as your bubbles, as your families, is to carry on reading in John. Um, see what Jesus has to say next to Simon Peter. See what the restoration around a charcoal fire um, looks like for Simon Peter. And then maybe throughout the week, carry on into, into Acts and see who who the man Simon Peter becomes, who he was always intended to be. Um, so I'm just going to pray and we'll, um, and we'll carry on. So Father God, I thank you so much for this powerful and yet personal example of your restoration. Jesus, I thank you that you are always in the business of transforming us, of restoring us. And you do so by meeting us often in those very deep and painful places. Not to wipe them away and pretend like they didn't happen, but to bring new meaning into our pain and into our suffering. I pray that for each of us, as we are in our bubbles in this extraordinary time of life, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, that you would bring healing and restoration into each and every one of us. Not in the places necessarily of our greatest strength, but in the places of our greatest weakness. Those big whys in our life. Amen. So that's, I guess, why I wanted to share um, this, this portion of scripture. Is that I really do believe that we are in an extraordinary place and time in our life. And I think in these places and times, there is an invitation of the Father to meet us maybe in some of those areas in your own life where you just think, oh, why did I do that? Or, or places of great disappointment or places of great pain. And allow Jesus to do, as I said, what he does best. And that is to add to the narrative. Yes, there's disappointment. Yes, there's pain. But there's something incredibly more um, that, that Jesus has in store for you. Thank you so much. I look forward to um, catching up again. Look forward to smashing you all at the quiz night. You think we're just a nice, happy family, but the rifes are out to fully dominate. Let the trash talk begin. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Tammy and Craig, for all of your hard work. And I look forward to being crowned the victor of our um, quiz night. Thanks. Bye.